0: Welcome to The Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, president of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Hello, listeners. I got something new for you here today. We are going to dive into cryptocurrency. So even if you know nothing about it, this is an episode that you're going to want to listen to because my guest Mario is a very accomplished business person. He's very knowledgeable, and he's promised me that he's going to break it down into bite-sized pieces so so even people who know nothing about it will finally get it. Mario is co-founder and CEO of NFT Tech. He is also, he had founded an e-commerce company that's in 30 countries called Fruthi. And then he runs a bunch of other companies that are all based around crypto. Now, he's also a very accomplished dancer with uh, Dancing the Dance called Machata. And he travels around the world and works in different locations. So he just came from Australia. He's now in Dubai and he's headed off to Turkey uh, where there's a festival, a Machada festival going on. We originally met either through Clubhouse or LinkedIn or the combination of the two and he was a prior guest on the podcast. So welcome back, Mario. I'm very excited to talk to you about what you have going on now yeah so tell me about the machata how does one learn that and get to be as proficient as you
1: in it yeah so so bachata with a b is a, is essential mm-hmm. latin dance so it's, it's you know it's actually really well known it's got a massive community around the world and the good thing about it is that you know i travel a lot as you said earlier and the thing about bachata and, and other latin dances is that wherever you are in the world doesn't matter what language they speak and i've done this you can dance you can go to a club and just dance or a party and just dance with a stranger and that was the reason i really liked it early on because it was a great way to socialize whether you're in russia you're in serbia you're in latin america you're in the middle east you're in australia you're in western europe america canada africa everywhere and that was the fascinating thing about it and it's a social dance so you can only dance it with one person it's like two people just like ballroom latin dancing you dance it a couple, two people together, and yeah, since then it developed into a lot bigger than what it was. It's my my exit away from the stresses of work.
0: It's fantastic, yeah. And I don't know the dance at all, and I've danced the merengue and salsa and tango and very similar,
1: very similar to merengue. Very similar. Oh, to I
0: love merengue. Okay, I'll have to look for a place around Boston where I live. Okay, but we brought you on to talk about cryptocurrency. So why don't you start out with the primer? We're talking 101. First off, give me the vision. Why do you think it's going to take over the world? And then how does it work?
1: Okay. So the best way to describe cryptocurrency is, is the following. In the 1940s, 50s, 60s, we've had the efficient transfer of electrons. That means, that's where technologically, technology kicked in. You had TVs, you had radios. Um, through the efficient transfer of electrons, they evolved over the years to become improved products. In the 1990s and the 2000s, you've had the efficient movement of bits. And that's essentially the transfer of data on the web and being able to watch videos, send emails, etc. What we're seeing now is the efficient va- transfer of value so prior to 2017 2018 you couldn't transfer value without having central entities on the web you couldn't send value i'll tell you, i'll give you examples so people can understand what i'm trying to say when you posted a, a image on instagram what proof did you have this is your image like now you're in your house i'm in my house all the books behind you the headphones on your ears the glasses on your face they're all yours Wendy because they're, they're in your house they're in your Area of ownership, for lack of a better description. But on the web, you couldn't do that. There was not, nothing to say is yours unless there's a central entity, whether it's YouTube saying it's your video, Instagram saying it's your a photo, another company saying this is your identity, eBay saying this is your product. There's always central entities in the middle. You couldn't own something you can't like you can in the physical world. Well, that's changed. There's a technology of, of, of what we call NFTs, which is probably the most exciting thing of, of in crypto. It's probably the biggest piece of crypto right now. And that allows you to own something on the web, the same way you own something in the physical world. Technologically, that became possible in 2017. That's probably the best way to describe it. And now that you can have ownership on the web without a central entity saying you own something, just like you own all the things around you, Wendy, and all the things you're wearing and everything under your mattress, now that that can exist technologically on the web, it just makes it a lot easier to transfer value. It, you know, when you have to transfer your ownership of your car, let's say you move to, to, to Estonia and you want to take your car with you just for the sake of argument. When you get there, you have to go through a central entity, you know, whatever company, whatever organization there manages all the car registrations and ownership and the records of who owns what. You have to go to that entity and go through the whole process to have them confirm that you own that car. Well now it's on the web and technologically you can prove ownership it just makes it a lot more efficient because now you can share the ownership of that car on the web without any central parties in the middle now I don't want to go too deep into this I don't want to get too technical all what I'm trying all the only point I'm trying to make is that one of the more most exciting aspects of crypto is the ability to own things on the web and that's expanding the opportunities insanely And that's what everyone's calling web three. You know, we've had web one. It was mainly data. We've had web two, which is social, dominated by, you know, meta, which was previously called Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, etc. Web three is the concept of owning things on the web, which will open up doors that we haven't even, you know, begun to, to fathom.
0: Okay. So go back to the car example. I ship the car over and then rather having, rather than showing my title, I can just pull up my phone and show that I own an NFT for that item?
1: Yes. So the NFT, which is what we call non-fungible token, and that's essentially a technological way of proving ownership, that NFT represents your car. And then if you sell your car, Instead of going through the whole paperwork, going through their central entity to change ownership, to go through all the documentation, you can essentially send that NFT from your wallet or your account to someone else's account. And now they have the ownership, just like you have a key to your house, or key to your door. Now you've got the the NFT, that digital key or code that proves that you own something. And they can take it a step further. You can link that code to your key. And your key will only work is if, if let's say, you connect your key to your wallet. And your key will only work if you have the, the, the NFT, the, the proof of ownership, the technological proof of ownership in your wallet. So when someone gives you a key to using your door, you've got to use it just whenever it doesn't work. When you pay them and they transfer the NFT, now your key will work because your key is connected to your wallet that now has the NFT. That's all become interoperable. So this is a very basic example of what we... We can expect very, very basic, but just gives you a taste of the efficiencies and the benefits of being able to decentralize ownership and being able to, to, to move value more efficiently and rapidly on the, using the web.
0: Okay, so I listened to a podcast called Modern Finance. Have you heard, heard that one? No. Okay, well, they get into NFTs and they've been talking a lot about owning art, and owning like technologically developed things you know so for there like i see that already happening people are buying this art that was created online and they send you to different sites where you can go see which ones have an nft and then they're talking about dividing it out like say you own a picasso and you put it in this non-profit and everybody can buy a part of this Picasso painting. So if the value goes up, you don't have to be able to afford the whole painting. You afford one little bit of it. What are you seeing play out in that area? Because that's where I've, I've seen it working. I don't see it in the cars or the houses or the other things.
1: Yes, I think your example is really good as well. Everyone's looking at art and paintings and all these different avatars this is the the just like the internet remember the early days of the internet i don't know it was like an online library that isn't where the internet is today it's a way to communicate it's a way to entertain yourself it's a way to you know obviously shop you've got all these different utilities that were not there in the early days and no one imagined us to get (laughs) there. so now you're seeing the the focus and the hype going after art and, and those avatars, and then being able to, what you said, fractionalize it, where people can own a small piece of it, which is very exciting. So this is the, the early phase in the adoption cycle. And and I try to remind everyone that with every innovation, the human brain overestimates the short-term potential, but under a uh, short-term impact. So overestimates the short-term impact, but underestimates the long-term potential. And that's where it gets interesting, that the long-term potential of NFTs is what people are underestimating or, or not even understanding. So I'll talk about what you've mentioned. Is that digital art? So now you can own things. Well, you can own art, same way you can own your car, you can own your house, you can own your the ID, you can own your financial instruments, you can own your AirPods and your your everything else that you own around you. All assets you own, but you can also own art. So that's just one asset, and that gained traction on 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 the, you know in the crypto space right now because it was an easy way one to understand like owning art online, it's a digital art. I own it because there's, there's proof online that I own it. The same way if you're hanging out in your house, the concept of ownership now exists in the digital world, like the physical world. So that's just the reason it's it's uh, gaining traction now because it is easy to understand. It's a good example. Now, you also talked about fractionalizing art. Well, that's, I guess, it's given more exciting. So you can actually, you know, you can do that in the physical world. You can't get a piece of art and then, cut it into pieces and give it to different people. You own a piece of art, you own it all in the web because it's all on code. You can actually cut out that piece of ownership. Let's say that NFT represents a piece of art. We can cut it into pieces and sell it to different people. So that's almost like a security where Different people own a piece of that art because you know a lot of people can't afford the 100K or 200K or even a million dollars for a piece of art. But now that you've cut it into pieces, they can ex- get exposure to that asset by just a smaller amount of money by just owning that token that token which is part of that piece depending how 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 many tokens you break it into
0: okay so so that's what you're saying is is that we're overestimating kind of the art and the fractional ownership of nfts but over the long term almost anything of value that we have like a house or a car or a boat you could have that ownership it's like a d it's a it's an electronic deed.
1: Yes. And as time evolves, you'll even see that detached from the physical world. Like now, I've given examples of where it's linked to a physical asset because it's easier to understand. But soon you can build your own business or your own leisure center, your own entertainment center, whatever it is that you build, your own spaceships in the game, any asset, you can own that asset as well. And that has no correlation with the physical world. So creating an asset or an empire or whatever it is that you created in a certain game or metaverse, it's not linked to the physical world. It's a completely separate asset. And technologically, you own that asset the same way you own things in the physical world.
0: That's where it's got into all the video games that people play. So if you buy a super fast spaceship in video game one, you can then move it over to video game two.
1: Yes. Yeah. This is, this is, I was on a panel earlier, like a half an hour ago. Very high level, very technical about games. And this is what we call the concept of interoperability, where in the past, before 2017, even today, all those centralized games, you buy their game assets, you can't trade them in many cases. And if the game goes bankrupt, what happens to all your assets? Let's say you spent a lot of time on a certain game, um, and then that game disappears. You know, It just doesn't get traction anymore, they close it down, whatever happens. Well, what happens to all the assets you have on there? They've just gone to waste because it doesn't exist anymore. And you can't use it in another similar game. Well, now with NFTs, because you can actually own something, that means if the game goes back up, you just take it and move it to another game or sell it on the, on the, on the secondary market. The same way like I travel and I was in Australia, I'm in Dubai now, I'll be in Turkey in two days, and I'm going to have my same suitcase with a lot of the same things, and I move them from one world to another. The same happened with the virtual world, whether it's a game or a metaverse, the goal eventually, not now, it'll take time, is to allow you to move those assets that you own between different worlds. Because you own them. You can do whatever you want with them, including moving them from different worlds uh, between different worlds. So that yeah, that that's a very fascinating concept that we're watching very closely. And we think will evolve over the next few months and years.
0: Okay, so I don't play games on video, got too much going on with other stuff and you know, but. I know it's huge in the teenager through 20-year-olds. So buying these assets to me, and I had a cousin who played a lot of, I don't know, farmyard or farm animals, and she was spending money to buy things on that. But they're not. So I see that for a very targeted audience. I don't see like the general public is going to buy a bunch of stuff on games and want to have them go, you know, there's a certain segment. Can you extrapolate that to something where more of the general public would use that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think you made a good point because again, you go back to the adoption cycle, the people using the internet today are not the people that were using it in the early 90s or the mid 90s or in the early 2000s. They were not the early adopters, they, they, you know, they were the laggards or late, late adopters. So the same thing will happen here where you know, gamers, and we we'll use gaming as an example, this concept of owning something is important to them and it makes sense because games own their assets and they want to own their own assets. And I'm thinking the concept of games being interoperable also makes sense. Now, how do you look at the mass market? Because I'm not a gamer myself either. Well, first I see games evolving into metaverses. But getting into those digital, virtual, open worlds. Because what is a metaverse? Well, I, I, I describe the metaverse or I define it as a digital representation of the, f- of the physical world we live in today. So, and you can, you know, go as far as like, you know, Zoom, Instagram, YouTube, they're all metaverses, but the early metaverse, the Web 2 metaverse. The Web 3 metaverse allows you to own things because it has to be a representation of the digit of the physical world, but in the physical world, you can own stuff. You need to own stuff in the virtual world. And what I see happen is that all those games will eventually or will, will gradually evolve into metaverses. So what I mean by this, if you think about life itself, you can think of life as a game, the game of life. So all those games that we see as games right now and and we will for the foreseeable future will evolve into an entire ecosystem where you can go there and do a lot of the things that you do in the physical world. Socialize, signal, build a business, entertainment, all these things you can do in a game as it evolves. And these are the things we do on a daily basis in the physical world. So in a game, you can start building a business to mine metals and build businesses and people go in there to get entertained, to play a game, to compete. They can signal their wealth by, by, by wearing some expensive clothes or having some expensive weapons. So a lot of the aspects that make our physical life apply in games, and this will make games over time more like metaverses. So when someone's looking at this not from a gaming hat, well, a good way to look at it is you can you know invest in buying land. That's a good investment. That's an investment opportunity. For example, I'm not saying it's a good investment opportunity. I'm just saying it's a better way to understand it first Definitely don't invest because it takes a long time to understand this space. And then you start looking at other assets. You know, you have your own avatar. You can wear clothes. Let's say you're a big fashion person. You wear Prada, Prada clothes within the, the, uh, the metaverse. So it's a way to signal to the world that, hey, I'm wealthy or I'm successful because I'm wearing expensive clothes. We do that in the digital world all the time, especially in airports. I was in the airport earlier today. So especially in airports, you got all these people wearing those branded clothes as a way to signal their success. Well, the same thing will happen in the virtual world. We can wear the project we work with called Faith Tribe, and Faith Tribe allows anyone to launch a brand, a clothing brand, within the metaverse, and then people could wear that brand and wear those clothes within the metaverse to signal to the world their identity.
0: Now, is Faith Tribe licensing brands already to do that on the metaverse?
1: So they haven't licensed any big brands. I think they've got a few signed. Right now they're just allowing the, so Faith Tribe is launched by a company called Faith Connection that empowers designers. So designers can design a a piece of art and people can buy the piece of clothing with that designer's art. So so what they're doing now is they're democratizing fashion for the metaverse, allowing anyone to launch a clothing brand. So let's say I wanna launch a clothing brand on the metaverse, I can go on their platform and the whole technology and promotion is there to help me launch a successful brand.
0: Okay. So I'm listening and I want to go down two avenues is one. I want to understand what kind of traction you're already seeing on this going. The other is that whole other will metaverse take over real life. We've just gone through a couple of years where people had to learn from home, socialize from home, family parties on Zoom, and people miss that human interaction. You know, there are advantages. It's easier to do work around the globe. And this, by the way, any listener who's listening, this ties in because of we're, we're talking about global marketing and global connections. And so NFTs and cryptocurrency are going to have a real effect on that. We'll, we'll talk about later. But either I'd like to hear, hear what traction's going on, and then how do you see that reconciling with real life and the connections, human connections and touch that people need? So I'd say
1: two things that will grab the audience's attention. Number one is I'll kind of merge it into one. We're already living in the metaverse. We're already living in that digital world. This is reality for us. Zoom, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Games. You know, people have a majority of their day dominated by five different pillars of the web. So we are already living a digital representation of the physical world. You know, Instagram. Filters are the new makeup. YouTube is the new entertainment. Zoom is the new boardroom. All we're doing, all that Web3 is doing or, or crypto is allowing for that digital world to evolve even further. Does that mean we'll spend less time in the physical world? Probably. Does that have, could that lead to bad results? Like, you know, us not taking care of our physical body since we're living in that digital world? Likely. Will we find solutions as we always do to these problems? Very likely. So I think it will cause problems. I wouldn't say it's a lack of human interaction, it's just different interaction because the technology is not there to allow it to be very personal. And it would be good if I had my avatar and actually actually see you, fully see you, complete perfect quality, almost real, right next to me and imagine I can actually touch you. All these technologies are being built, allowing for that human touch and that connection instead of you know taking a few steps back takes a leap forward because now you can connect with anyone in the world in an instant and have the ability to see them, interact with them, see their, their body language, and be able to even touch them, which you know, is still in development. It's not there yet, but that's, you, know, you can search haptics for that. So that's moving towards virtual reality, which is a spoke, a part of that open metaverse that we're talking about, but it will take time to get there.
0: Okay. And then what about the second part of how far along the progression are we?
1: Extremely, extremely, extremely early, like barely any adoption in the space. The space is still experimenting to find the right solution, the right way to leverage web three in the concept of digital ownership. So I'd, I'd compare it to year 1990, uh, year 2000, I'd say. So we're 22 years, you no, know, we've got a long way to go. So, you know, 2000 is 22 years ago. Crypto is moving a lot faster because it's built on top of the web and adoption is a lot faster. But it's still a long way away from being mass adopted
0: okay so let's jump into cryptocurrency so nfts are our ownership proven ownership like deeds and certificates of ownership cryptocurrency is
1: like crypto is a broad term that allows that, that can be used for any token but the way i would define crypto and the technology of blockchain is a way to decentralize different aspects of our life, whether it's decentralizing the store of value, which is Bitcoin, decentralizing the the value of exchange. And there's a few examples of that and decentralizing the, the infrastructure being built on the web. And Ethereum is a good example of that where people could build these decentralized businesses on a platform like Ethereum or Solana or others. Okay,
0: so back up here, back up. You're talking about its crypto is for decentralizing. What do you mean by decentralizing?
1: Great question. So the US dollar is probably the most valuable currency for you right now, Wendy. It doesn't lot. The US dollar is controlled by the US, the Fed, that is the, 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 the has a mandate to protect the U.S. dollar as a, as a medium of exchange. Now, their, their incentives are not too aligned because they want to get, you know, they want to, you know, maintain their position and the politicians, I mean the president or the, the, the House of Chambers or whatever, they decide, you know, who stays and who goes. So the incentives are aligned to keep everyone happy short-term. So the Reserve Bank is keeping everyone happy short-term by printing a lot of money rather than focusing on the long-term health of the U.S. dollar. So the US dollar is controlled by a central entity that makes decisions on how to maintain value, and those decisions are flawed due to the flaws of us being humans, the cognitive biases. Now, if you move to something like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is governed by code. No human emotion or, or, or human intellect could interfere in how many Bitcoins exist, how we distribute distributed, any aspect of Bitcoin. It is a decentralized store of value. How is it decentralized? Well, it's run by code. It's not run by a central entity, run by a CEO. It's run by code that cannot be tampered with and that allows it for all of it to to function. And the same applies to other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, Solana, and others. So in brief, essentially crypto is allowing for code to replace middle parties and to replace humans to allow for the new web to function.
0: Okay, so if you go back to the sci-fi movies of the 50, they'd say... Well, machines or robots are gonna rule the world and they're gonna own it. Why wouldn't the machine that is governing the code confuse everything and make more of a mess than, than having a centralized body manage it?
1: Okay, so, so with your question, it's like concerned about having something open, what prevents us from going down the wrong path? So the way blockchain is built and the genius of it is it allows for the alignment of incentives. That means whoever's participating in any protocol in any coin, let's say Bitcoin, they own Bitcoin because they're participating in it, they want the you know the protocol to survive. So, in other words, their incentives aligned to allow this technology to survive. So, because that's how they profit, they, they buy into it, they have a piece of it, just like you have shares in the company. So then then they'll be looking at making the right decisions that will help the ecosystem rather than harm the ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, it's decentralized, but people still make the decisions, at least for now, instead of AI. So we're not going down the route of AI replacing humans in decision-making. That's a far, you know, that's something it's not worth discussing. Way, way too early to discuss that. But what we know now is that crypto allows for decentralization, which means... There is no central entity that makes a decision. Well, who makes a decision is the community holders that have the incentive to maintain that protocol, maintain the value of it, so they'll make decisions accordingly to maintain that value of the ecosystem or the protocol.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then what do you see happening in the cryptocurrency markets right now?
1: I really don't watch the, the price of the market too much because uh, it's re- the human brain is really bad at predicting things like this. So I avoid it, uh, I think we'll go up a lot, we'll go down a lot, um, you know, Bitcoin was a few cents about a decade or so ago, about 40, almost 14 years ago, it was a few dollars after that. So, yeah, I think that's, a, that's, that's the best way, I, I just don't, don't pay too much attention to the price, and instead I try to focus on the technology itself, how that will evolve, and how we can play a role in that evolution uh, as investors.
0: Okay, so let's let's dig into what you're doing now because I think you're getting ready to go public with your company.
1: Yeah, so I have to be careful how I phrase this, but we're working towards listing on the stock market. That's the company NFT Tech. And we've reserved the ticker symbol NFT in North America, which is pretty sexy to have that ticker. Yeah, really. Um, and tech does essentially get, invest in the space. You know, we come in really early to deals through our network, our connections and our knowledge of the space. And then if and when we list, Anyone buying our stock will get exposure to these difficult to, to, you know, difficult to get uh, investment opportunities and getting them early at really good valuations.
0: And so what does your company actually
1: do? The best way to look at it is like a, a portfolio company and an IP company. We launch our own businesses and acquire others and grow, while also investing in projects. So like a VC and an incubator kind of mixed into one.
0: Are there any other VC companies or incubators that are publicly traded? Crypto ones,
1: yes. Um, but NFT, no. My friend who's also staying in my place here, he runs one of the biggest crypto incubators. He's also look actually, I can't disclose that. But I know someone in the space who's also looking at going public with a similar model. So, and there's a lot of crypto companies that went public. But in terms of specific ones that you asked for, uh, I can't think of any. But I'm sure there is. There's just so much money in the space. It's insane.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what are you seeing about it? Like, who's getting involved? Who are the players? What have they come from? Like, talk about this, because I think a lot of people have this vision of it's fake money, and it's a bunch of young adults sitting around paper rich.
1: So, so give also, us the reality. So, yeah, so a lot of these arguments are a bit outdated. So in terms of paper rich, well, you can turn all cryptos to USDT or USD on any exchange. So you can actually liquidate that to sweetheart cash, which everyone loves. So that's in terms of that, that particular point. Uh, what was the other point beyond that?
0: Like who's involved in this and, uh, and how are they making money? So people that invested back in 2000 yeah. and when it was pennies, now it's up around, I think the last time I uh, checked, Bitcoin uh, 40, was around
1: 42, 43 today. What's, it's
0: $42 US. Yeah, $42,000. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go buy it if it's forty-two. dollars
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, we try to get into projects really early and privately. And we try to look for projects that have utility, that are bringing value to our world, that have an actual use case. You know, Ethereum allows people to build businesses uh, on top of it. Bitcoin allows, you know, it's, it's a good way to store your value. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other coins allow you to transfer value, as in money. Ethereum allows you to build NFTs on it, same as Solana. So you got all these different protocols that that have actual utility. And then I look at games. I think games, as we mentioned earlier, will be the early adopters of the space because it just makes sense for them. Because they're you know they're used to having their assets taken away from them if they do something wrong. their account getting suspended, or if the game goes bust, they expect to, their 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 in-game assets to just disappear with the game. Um, So for them, the concept of decentralization, where you can move your assets from one game to another, because you actually own them, uh, is revolutionary. And we saw hundreds of millions of dollars flow into the space, into the gaming space, especially, you know, high-quality projects like Star Atlas, Axie Infinity, C Dos Heroes. They're all games that are built on the blockchain. They are decentralized, allowing people to own their assets within those games, build their own empire, their own life, their own world that they own in a virtual web that people could come and visit and, and build relationships with, chat, have discussions. So, yeah, these are the projects we're looking for, those early projects that have actual utility.
0: Okay, so a lot in the gaming world at this point. Gaming,
1: Gaming's one of the more exciting ones. Metaverse is also exciting, but I'm also seeing a lot of hype where people, you know, whenever there's something sexy, just like in 01, everyone was launching a dot-com business. So right now, everyone's trying to launch a metaverse company, which I think is... uh,
0: So you think it'll be like a search engine? One of them will come and dominate, and then everybody will be on that metaverse?
1: In some cases, no. The metaverse will be multiple. So anyone could launch a metaverse the same way anyone can launch a website. Launching a metaverse is the same as launching a website. If you don't have visitors, the metaverse is useless. You need to get people to start using it. That's the whole purpose of it, is bringing utility to a lot of people, to as many people as you can, and to bring them utility. Living with you is one of the more obvious ones. Yeah, so I'll be looking at, um, and the question was, uh, what opportunities we be looking for? Yeah, those are some examples. You know, gaming is one of them. DeFi is another one. to get into it, but it's like a decentralized version of finance without having to use banks and financial institutions. Protocols, the foundation that allows the technology to operate, the, the the picks and shovels approach to the to the technology, to blockchain and crypto, would be would be plays I'm looking for. You know, games in you know games. DeFi, and uh, protocols, which is like the technology stack to allow for that digital world to open.
0: So talking about all these digital worlds, you know, the podcast is sponsored by Rapport International, who provides high quality uh, language translation interpretation. How does all the communication happen across languages in these metaverses and DeFi and games?
1: Yeah, English is a universal language. Like speaking English helps you tremendously. But if you speak, you know, Chinese, Russian, etc., those other languages that Spanish, etc., cetera, um, does bring a lot of value uh, because, you know, there's apps and stuff. You can have automatic translate, which makes it easier, but you lose that ability to interact and connect when you're using translation service in the middle. But since we you know we're moving that physical world to a digital world, you can embed translation there. In the physical world, we open our mouth to talk face-to-face and then we have to look away to look at the definition of the translation of something. In the virtual world, in, that, in, a, in a multiverse, like I like to call it, um, you can automate the translations aspect of them.
0: Okay. So I imagine that the quality is not going to be there. It's going to be like a Google Translate or some like audio dictation, but at least you'll get the gist when you're talking to somebody.
1: Yeah, I'd say this is like a, a, the, the, what I find in the early stages. Doesn't otherwise it wouldn't make too much sense. Uh, but I don't know what Meta's working on. I know Meta's uh, a bunch of smart guys there. Meta, which was previously known as Facebook, they changed their name to Meta.
0: Right. Yeah no I think the language technology is absolutely fabulous I don't I think with 3000 new words a day and the different slang that's coming in and the how do you communicate I don't think we'll ever get to a global language but it'll be interesting to see how much people can connect Yeah so okay and so what about the impact on the global economy and conflict between countries and going to a global currency which I I see as more possible what do you think will happen in the in those areas
1: sure so how will it disrupt our economy which was the first question and then the second question you know the 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 second question is about the utility of the of crypto so i'll go back to the second question i want to answer the first one first and then i want to better understand the second question yes so so uh, in terms of how that will impact our economy as i said the metaverse is a digital representation of the physical world so you're essentially going to see whole economies shift to that virtual world. And we're seeing this, you know, look at the valuations of companies like Meta and Apple and Google, they're insane valuations, insane market caps that those, uh, those companies have Airbnb, Uber. So we're already seeing web companies have crazy valuations. We all know that tech have crazy multiples relative to other, um, industries. So as the, the concept of an open metaverse, so, so that, that decentralized aspect of it, where you can own things on the web, what we talked about earlier, the efficient movement of value. So now that you can own things on the web, now it's like almost a replica of the physical world because in the physical world, you can own things. Now, finally, you can own things in the virtual world. So what we wouldn't be too surprising to see is a shift of massive resources from the physical world to the virtual world to enjoy that virtual represent, representation of the, of the physical world have whole planets, whole ecosystems built and whole economies almost. You're going to have trillions of dollars shift because the, the, the utility, the, the use cases, the benefits of that digital representation of the physical world is immense because almost everything, literally almost everything could move to the digital world. So just add the numbers. You're looking at GDP size capital moving to the metaverse. And then what was the second question?
0: The second was, do you think that we'll get to a global currency?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. Really tough question. A very tough question. Like, you know, currency is a way for community to operate. It's a a representation that you belong to a certain community. So currency, I think, will become more of a social token. Essentially, a token that not only represents value, but it also represents values. It represents a community. You know, you're holding a certain digital currency may say something about you, may signal to the world, I'm part of X, Y, Z community. So I think we'll still have fragmented currencies, but instead of being geographically limited, now it's limited by community. So different communities will build their own currency. And what will bring currency value is who accepts it as a currency. Now, if your community accepts to create a set of currency, they'll start using it between each other. That will give it value because different uh, members are accepting it as a transfer of value as a way to pay for something.
0: Now that is so interesting because I am uh, like my views on where this are going are almost opposite of or you know just a different view. Is I can see a more global currency as to which one holds value and is accepted more because in a global business, making cross border payments is very difficult and I don't wanna go across different platforms. I want something that's recognized that I can pay that I don't have all the service fees or the hassle to pay. So that's where I see a lot of simplific, you know, where that could simplify my life. And I could see like people going to a global, to a currency that doesn't have really high inflation rate, just like people went straight to cell phones over the wired phones. But I don't see the NFTs is strong. This has been very enlightening for me to get a more of a vision for NFTs, like a broader vision. Because, yeah, if I could have my ownership of my car, my house and my whatever else right there, I still have to have the lender is going to hold anything that I'm paying a payment on. So all those things
1: like why I don't see. No, it, it, it's not longer the case. So you can, I'll give you an example. Actually, I'm going to get everyone listening to close their eyes and imagine something that might put this into perspective. Before doing so, I wanted to comment on something you said, Wendy, that's true, is that, you know, crypto doesn't allow for that efficient way of sending money. You know, and and everyone knows what happened in Ukraine. So my dancing partner's sister lives in Ukraine or lived in Ukraine. And we were finding a way to send her money so she can use that money to escape the country. Crypto was the easiest way to send her money instantly within seconds. Mm -hmm. And someone turned that money into fiat into dollars aren't there for her and she gave, gave her cash. And she might not, you know, over time, she might not even need to do that because she could just use that crypto to pay others in crypto. And that becomes the way of transferring value. And the real exciting thing is that there's no central party that can stop it. You know, Ukrainian banks will hit hard. Um, you know, you can have other, you know, other financial institutions barred from working in, in Ukraine, but you can't have crypto stopped in Ukraine because it's all based on, on decentralized technology built on the web. Now, if you look at NFTs, it's a completely different use case. And this is an example that I'll give everyone. It'd be a good way to kind of conclude uh, everyone's understanding of this because I want everyone to kind of imagine this after the podcast. So I want you to imagine waking up, you know, appearing in a boardroom and starting to negotiate with you know your team next to you, and you've got the other people on the other side of the table, and you're negotiating your business deal. You can see their faces, you can even smell their perfume. If you shake their hand to say hi, you feel that handshake and you're sitting there negotiating while seeing all their facial expression. That's a, a, a representation of the metaverse in a few years' time, what, what I expect. Um, but imagine you sign, you, know, you you know, decide to do a deal and you sign the dotted line like, let's do this. And let's say you're buying their property, their virtual property and their physical property. You're buying a virtual property they have. Let's say they have a property that they use to run events in the virtual world you buy, and the physical get automatically transferred to you. Now you own a house, you own other assets, you own X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you bought, without going through the hassle of getting such a transaction done and giving a percentage to the middle parties. That's what NFT, yeah. or NFTs allow: the efficient transfer of value.
0: That's what I like. I I. I mean, if you look at Airbnb taking out the hotel industry and you look at Uber and Lyft taking out the taxi and, you, you know, you look at those businesses and you say, OK, so now NFTs are going to come in and take out, you know, the whole real estate market. Like I could see that happening. I still don't know if I want to own a house in the metaverse.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, it. This is, this, is like, uh, this is the next thing to get your head around. There's, there's two arguments you're going to have. Number one, what's the point of having it? Why would people use it? You know, I sleep in my house. I watch TV. I relax in my house. I invite friends over my house. Why do I need a ha- house in the metaverse? Because remember, you don't need to sleep in the metaverse. You don't need to go to the toilet. No one needs to come and visit. You can teleport anywhere. So a lot of the the problems that a house solves in the physical world, they don't need to solve in the digital world. So what's the purpose of having a house? And, and I'll answer that one. The second one is like, oh, right, anyone could just create a virtual house. It's really easy. The beach house that they have. Now, as soon as you sign the dotted line saying, hey, I agree to this, now it's signed on the blockchain where there's proof, mm. decentralized proof that is signed. There's no central entity. There's no central company says, hey, this is signed. This is true. It's all technologically there, And you can actually build that in where after you sign it, automatically, without any bank, without any entity, your money or your crypto, your stable crypto, let's say USDT, which is like a US dollar paid crypto, gets transferred automatically to the other party okay now where do the nfts come in well their home their virtual house is represented by an nft it's an asset that they own and the physical house could also be represented by an nft that proves this person owns that house and that nft could be connected to the key to the alarm system etc that's where the internet of things kicks in so as soon as your money automatically gets transferred to the other party Automatically within the code, you can build you can build in that those NFTs that represent ownership of that physical house and that virtual house and anything else you want to represent, get automatically, not really, because you don't want to create a house in any metaverse. It's like building a house in New York versus building a house in sub-Saharan Africa in the desert where no one is there. Same house, two different locations. New York will be costing an arm and a leg. The desert will be very cheap. Why? Because there's a lot of adoption, there's a lot of people there. The same applies to the metaverse. Land is valuable in metaverses that have adoption. They have a lot of people using it because it's going to get a lot of traction. A lot of people will see your land. And not anyone can just create land out of, in, out of nowhere. Same thing with a website. Why would a website be valuable? Well, anyone can create a website and create one right after this call. Doesn't make it valuable because no one's using it. There's no value there. Um, so the same will apply with the metaverse. You buy land or assets, any assets it could be in game assets, like we said earlier, spaceship weapons, etc where the utility is using them like you're using them in the game, but you actually own them. Um, but let's say something like land in the metaverse. Well, why would you buy it? Well, let's say you use that property to do business meetings, a place to do business meetings, or it's a place to watch movies. It's a place to hang out for communities that support X, Y, Z. We could use it as a stage for people to speak because people want their attention, and the metaverse has a lot of people using it. So an asset in the metaverse has different utilities, different... Values And people are already buying a lot of assets, a lot of land, a lot of other assets and the, the metaverse as they expect our physical world to shift to that digital world. And they would, in their eyes, have purchased those assets at really good prices before the world understood how far of our everyday life that digital world will engulf. How much of okay, it will engulf.
0: Okay. So I don't see buying a house, but I could see buying a, you know, a business on Main Street on a really popular or, you know, some place where business to business services or global business is done. But if I had a facility there, then people from all over the world could stop in or I could go on the stage and speak. So for business case usage, I see that's fantastic. But I guess you could create that for socializing, like all the people I knew in college could belong to one and we could gather easily to talk.
1: Yeah. So. Meetings in the metaverse is, is like the beginning. Yeah, I see, I see that. Look, what, what do you do in the physical world? We socialize. We signal our identity. We build businesses and create value. So these are the you know, three of the core pillars we do. next, two more and I can't remember. But these are the three of the core pillars in the physical world. Already you're seeing those physical pillars, those aspects that make our everyday life represented in the digital world. You can signal by owning a very valuable NFT. You could socialize, obviously, a great way to interact. So a lot of the the benefits of of everyday physical life could be replicated in that digital world and are being replicated in the digital world. And they're bound to be replicated in the digital world because it has its benefits. It does make things more efficient. It does allow for inclusivity. Anyone around the world could join any metaverse, at least for now, before human greed greed kicks in and makes this different. But for now, that's the case.
0: All right. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I know we got to get you off to sleep off that (laughs) jet lag. Uh, But I always end with favorite foreign word. So now that we're in the metaverse and NFT and you got a new favorite word.
1: I use it as the multiverse. That's the word that I'm talking a lot about. Because as I said earlier, anyone can create a metaverse like anyone can create a website. Getting people to use it is really hard. But the same way websites exist in what we call the web, metaverses exist in what I like to call the multiverse. That's like a whole digital, the whole system, a whole, it's, a, it's, it's Earth. It's a virtual Earth, and people could build country cities within that Earth. That's the best way I could describe it, uh, as in the multiverse.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's, I hadn't heard it said that way. I like that. Yeah. And where can people reach you?
1: Sure. I think the best way to learn about the space NFT tech uh, which is my main company nfttech.com I think we've got a newsletter now at the bottom of it where you can subscribe You get a lot of updates and a lot of insight you know I do, do a lot of these interviews do a lot of videos educating people and uh, you'll be able to get notified uh, when those come out
0: Okay and final advice for people that are interested in these advice. or crypto
1: remember this quote The human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, but underestimates severely the long-term potential. So keep that in mind as you understand the space and focus on educating yourself.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. When are you going to write a book about all this?
1: But I stop traveling so much and keep getting jet lags? Actually,
0: we should just take all your interviews and make chapters out of them. So thank you very much, Mario Nafal. It's N-A-W-F-A-L if you want to find him, LinkedIn or Instagram or in the metaverse. (laughs) He's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. He's had lots of success and always has interesting stories. And always, if you have questions about languages and you need translation, reach out to Rapport Translations, R-A-P-P-O-R-T, translations.com, where anybody there can really help you accomplish anything you want across languages. So thanks for listening today. That's a wrap for this session. A big thanks to you for listening to the global marketing show. Hope you had just as much fun as I did. New sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on our website. If you know someone interested in this topic, please tell them about us. Au revoir for now.